to At the Devil's Ball, the podcast where we talk about horror and genre films in a positive and constructive manner. I am Samuel Numine. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Nathaniel Johnson. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Yeah. Okay. And we yep. just had a, a weird episode last week, but uh, I think mm. one that was necessary. Yeah, a couple um, days ago, yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, that went out today uh Mm -hmm. as of this recording and um yeah i think that went well but i mean um i do also want to read once again reiterate just as i did in that one i i don't think we expect our listeners to actually listen to it no no for it's more for us for us and for people that knew our our friend steve yeah um so yeah but i mean yes it was an awkward awkward conversation but um Although, from what I understand, it's not anywhere near as awkward or as bad as we thought it was. But well, that's good. Yeah, who did there you, was. Who did you force that upon to? to get uh, that I, I, well, I didn't. Uh, Paul told me that. Oh, okay. A friend of his watched it or listened to it and said it actually was fine. Um, right. And I listened to a few minutes of it just to see how it sounded, and um, it's uh, it it doesn't I mean, it doesn't sound as good, but right. you know, um, but yeah, I I think that the conversation was a little bit more even. I think mostly the awkwardness that i'm remembering is mm-hmm. after we were Later done recording because yeah. right. you and I, you and you paul and i went on for like another hour and a half right afterwards and that's when things got sloppy mm-hmm. that i think we were probably okay while we were recording and then it fell apart after but right. it was cathartic yeah and i, I to do. yeah and i feel like uh and i hope uh at the very least paul felt better afterwards because yeah. i could tell he in particular was was very very shaken yeah. up yeah right um and rightfully yeah. so i mean you know i'd be mm-hmm. beside myself if something happened to you or vice versa you know it's, yeah it's yeah. it's terrible yeah well i would uh, i would uh i think if you died i would just mm-hmm. play you off with um uh the version of carry on wayward son that the two girls sing at the end of right, uh, right. they'll find that's out a good knives supernatural. Yep. yeah that's a good um one. yeah you know the sad, sad the sad one. right yeah. right um both because i think it would be uh meaningful but also you probably would hate it <laughs> so right. it would have been uh i almost asked um with the paul with the steve episode mm-hmm. what his least favorite metallica song was so right. i could kind of play one last prank and play it out but i ultimately was like no need to get cute just get the thing out yeah but yeah. um but i had thought you know, in the off chance that you or Paul or any of the others had listened to it, then you'd be like, "Oh, he hated that fucking song," <laughs> and it would have been funny. Right. But um, yeah, but yeah, um, like something off of Saint Anger or whatever. But right. Um, although I don't think I've ever even listened to Saint Anger. Uh, I, the... I haven't listened to any of their albums more than once um, since Reload. I think. I was going to say the last Metallica it. album I remember was probably Garage Inc. Right. Um. Which one had the memory remains on it? That song uh, wasn't bad. That wasn't saying that was gar- I think that was that might have been Garage Inc. Um No Garage Inc. was the cover album. That oh, was yeah, the cover right. 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 that was the cover album they did. Um which by the way, they do have a pretty rocking uh uh cover of um uh Blue Oyster Cult's Astronomy on that right. record. But yeah, uh, I got I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's been so long since I've listened to Metallica that it's you know Yeah. I mean but I am right that's that's Steve's favorite band, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Up through the Black Album, I mean, it's 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 it, they're a great band, and then you know they just kind of turned into a, a a sort of okay rock band after that. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember. I think Reload had uh, Memory Remains on it. I think I liked that one. That could be. Yeah. Right. Um, and then Load did have like 
hero of the day a couple, and a couple time, of ones right. on it yeah um yeah i remember they, but i think that was it i think when, once garage inc happened and after that i just didn't really pay any attention um, right. not, not that i was ever a huge metal uh fan anyway so i mean like you know metallica I liked them when I was in like middle school. And then as I got right. older, it was sort of like, and every once in a while I still listen to them, but I think the black album's great, but there yeah. are, I know that I'm in a, I guess like, like real Metallica fans don't like the black album. I don't know. Is that... You know, I, I think, uh, I think opinions have changed over the years. I mean, at the yeah. time, like, yeah, that was like their sellout album. You know, there's like every, every, every song was, commercial hit yeah. commercial hit and, and made for radio and uh you know like that's supposed to be a bad thing apparently um yeah in the yeah. 90s you know, kids who remember the 90s i, I guess uh re- remember selling out like yeah. nowadays that's what it was all about you gotta keep yeah nowadays i think you gotta come out of the box selling out right like, you know typically with film in many ways i think you know mm-hmm. i think that you just you know you get hired by one of the big studios and then you just go out and make a film and right uh you know and it's drained of all soul all of its soul right yeah but no i mean i remember uh i remember digging the black album yeah i think i was, was in was like good. sixth seventh grade when that came out i think and yeah i, I mean, played a lot of sonic the hedgehog and uh listened to a lot of the black album that year yeah mm-hmm. yeah that sounds about right yeah. yep yeah and then anyways yeah anyways we're on uh vampires month two or or Yep, Whatever we're finally we're, we're finally it. getting that yep. started. Yep. Yep. So uh we have uh 1983's The Hunger to to kick us off. With. Yes. Yes, a very strange little movie. Yeah. Um Tony Scott's first uh feature film apparently. I didn't didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't realize it was his first. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, before that he was doing commercials and music videos and stuff like that, so which that in, that influence is definitely right. felt on The Hunger, yeah. But Oh, no, for sure. You yeah. want to do the uh, little stats and we'll we'll jump into it? Absolutely. Let's do All it. Right. Um, so as mentioned, uh, The Hunger came out in 1983. It was directed by Tony Scott, um, written by James Costigan and Michael Thomas, uh, although Costigan was credited in the film as Ivan Davis. Uh, we are starring Catherine Deneuve, uh, David Bowie, Susan Sarandon, Cliff DeYoung, Beth Ellers, Dan Hadaya, Rufus Collins, uh, we have a little blink and you miss him brief fame appearance by uh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Interestingly enough. And then in a uh, a pretty major cameo, we have the band Bauhaus. Yes. Uh, which are credited as disco group. Um, yeah, I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's not disco. It's the disco. It's what, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, um, but Bauhaus is in it. That's actually mm-hmm. the, uh, this will probably be the second film we've discussed that featured Bauhaus in some major way. The first being Night of the Demons. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Bauhaus has, uh, Bauhaus is, uh, on the soundtrack. Uh, 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 Stigmata Martyr. Right. Is, uh, featured heavily in Night of the Demons. In this one, it's probably arguably their, their most famous hit. Right. Uh, Bella Lugosi is dead. Um, right. On. Yeah. Which is sort of where, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of where I want, where I thought maybe we could start is mm-hmm. what struck me particularly at the very, very start of this picture with the hunger was I found myself questioning when the intersection between vampire fiction and goth club aesthetic right fully merged, um, and I realized I never really it, tracked that. 
I mean, it could be here. I mean, and that's what I'm wondering as I was like, yeah. is this the movie that did it? Because, right. um, you know, gothic, goth aesthetic, as we know it, uh, right. you know, it stems from um, a fascination with Victorian gothic aesthetic. Right. right. Um, and then over time, it's sort of it's it's uh, but in modern era, it evolved into what's probably more accurately referred to as neo-gothic. Right. And at some point, neo-gothic and vampire became one and the same. Um, now, I mean, obviously, The Hunger, it, it comes out mm -hmm. after Interview with the Vampire. Right. Um, which is pretty directly derived from more gothic trappings in terms of its style. Uh, characters, mm -hmm. of course, being from that era. Right. Um, but when the... Uh, but the hunger in particular, this opening sequence in the hunger mm -hmm. is all about goth club aesthetic. You know, um, right. you know, you got Bauhaus singing Bill Lugosi is dead. You got, uh, you know, you got the spiky hair, sunglasses at night, uh, right. you know, um, you know, it's all, sort of all the tropes and traffic and, and yeah. trappings of, you know, a modern day, you know, gothic vampire scene, you know? Yeah. Yep. Even down, you know, down to the onk necklaces and, right. uh, you know, uh, even the the uh, lovemaking scenes that both, of course, end with the victims being killed, but right. um, are all very uh, stylistically eroticized in a way that mm -hmm. um, goth physicality is usually represented in yeah. uh, in goth clubs or fetish clubs. Um and it's um so I'm always interested in uh, um, I've never really tracked that um, no, as to I... when that when that sort of happened and if there was mm -hmm. a particular sort of flashpoint moment in which that did I did find myself wondering if it was this movie though because yeah I, I was mean like, I know this is a big hit with you know elder goths um, yeah and it's you know a cult film for them specifically mm -hmm. um so it might have started here you know this could have been. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, bands that, you know, goth bands of the time that were using the trappings and, you know, kind of mm -hmm. looking like it, like Bauhaus, you know, for example. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think this was the first time it was really caught on film, like something that was already happening in the club scene. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's just of interest to me that, right. um, you know, as somebody that used to hang out at goth clubs, um you know, and it's um, and I'm gonna say this like I'm gonna like kind of like uh, put an apology out there. But first of all, if if you were listening to this and you actually hung out with me in those God Club days, I'm sorry I wasn't really myself at that period in time in my life. Right. But also, I mean, I'm gonna apologize in advance for the following statement, which is, I mean, I came from a golf club in Portland, Maine. Right. Um, it's not quite, I think, what it would be in a major city. Um, no. but I mean, looking at um looking at the aesthetic of the hunger and then looking at mm -hmm. the people that I hung out with, I was like, well, that this is the hunger, you know, they're one and the same. Um, right. you know, a lot of, a lot of that aesthetic is, seems to be borrowed to a degree from or imitated from the vampire fiction. And, right. uh, and what makes that interesting to me is that, you know, when we did vampire month, part one, we were kind of stuck in the past, right. you know, we were talking, um the history Nosferatu, Dracula. Right. Yeah. Uh you know, we did um 
uh, uh, Sims Lot, which of course is right. uh, it's just Dracula modern day um, in many ways. And then, right. uh, you know, when we did From Dust Till Dawn for the hell of it. But mm. um, what we've got here is this month with the pictures we've chosen is largely modern. Right. Uh, and the in the way that trope had evolved into a modern sensibility. Yeah. And it's interesting because I actually intended when I when I picked the hunger, I intended to hopefully do it later in the month mm -hmm. uh, where its purpose within the selections was going to be more apparent. Um, right. When we were talking about doing vampire fixtures, we were originally talking about adding your dark right to this. And I realized with the other three we had picked it was like well near dark is is kind of played straight mm. whereas the rest of them are kind of queer right uh and so when that's when i was like well how about the hunger because it's queer mm. um you know and uh, i was like you know i was hoping we would do it later in the month and be like you know obviously we're doing these types of movies right. the hunger doesn't quite set that up i think the way some of our other selections would yeah. um but I um but yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, it's a little out of place, but obviously, as we mentioned, uh, you know, our, our friend died and our whole right. schedule, our got, schedule mixed got mixed around. Mixed around yeah. And yeah, um, we had, I think, originally planned for the Lost Boys this weekend, right? which we're now not going to do because right. there's no time. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, but that I mean, was there's to there's up. there's time to do the Lost Boys, but there's no guest to 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 do it with. And I think yeah. you know, of having a person who doesn't care for it and a person who's kind of mad, you know, it yeah. wouldn't wouldn't be fair to the listener, right? Um, right, because there's a big fan base out there for that film, you know. That's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, well, that's that. That sort of was the idea. Is we'd have to find somebody that really dug it so we could get right. that perspective. And you know, it, it's. You know, I don't think either one of us hate the movie, but it's no. you know we I'm, wouldn't. Be... I'm like I'm like it's okay, you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a fun vampire film that uh, it's it's okay. Yeah, the <laughs> most interesting thing about it, I think, is the latent homosexuality, right? And which isn't even that latent. No, when you consider you know Joel Schumacher directing it and everything like that. He's making right. it pretty apparent, but yeah. it went over as you mentioned before we started recording. It went over everybody's heads. Yeah, um, for, for sure. You know, for years. And then yeah. suddenly people in like sometime in the early 2000s, I think mm -hmm. crack.com did an article of five unintentionally gay movies and were like, oh, Lost Boys the is Lost pretty Boys, gay. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. And um, uh, second only to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which yeah. was also something that went over people's heads for a long time. Right. Um, the hunger, there is no mistaking. No, this is yeah. straight up, you know. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a queer vampire movie, right? Bisexual vampire movie, lesbian vampire movie, um, and uh, and so that's uh, obviously we're two straight guys, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna, we're gonna approach that. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna approach that with um, with as much uh, respect as we can, and not uh, and hopefully we won't say anything awful. Um, right. We both mean well. Um, yes. So just that preface there. Um, that's a disclaimer. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we try to be sensitive whether or not we always succeed. Um, I blame society. Right. Um, but, uh, but I think this movie does pretty well with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, there is something, there are a couple of moments in this film that I find, um, to be positively delightful. Um, one moment that made me absolutely laugh out loud. In a good way, not at it mm -hmm. with it, but um, 
basically, uh, uh, she's just put David Bowie in a box. Right. Yeah, she comes down. The doorbell's ringing. She comes down. Susan Sarandon's got her back turned to the front door. She opens up the door. Sarah turns around and just goes, oh. And I was like, that is the exact right reaction if someone opens the door and it's Catherine Deneuve. Right. Yeah. Um, sure. I would do the exact same thing. Like, she's just so hot. There would be no way you would keep that to yourself. Right. Like, you would just be, she's startlingly attractive. Um, always right. was, but in this movie in particular. Oh, yeah. Um, they played they play up big for this, this one, you know? Yeah. Um, and it but, works. And it works. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, just that moment just made me just like absolutely burst out laughing. Uh, to the point that I took a break. I actually went and smoked a cigarette and fed the cats and stuff because it took me it took it took me out of the movie for a minute. Right. But it made I just I was like that's that's exactly the reaction, you know. She right. opens up that door and it oh, <laughs> you're Catherine. <Catholic, laughs> you are really hot. Um, but uh, but also I mean I loved the um the other moment that made me laugh was um. Uh, Susan Saran is drinking her sherry, right? And um, and uh, Catherine Dewey was playing the piano and talking about the piece, saying like two women wrote it. She's like, "You're making a pass at me," right? And uh, that whole scene was just like, I just absolutely loved it. I yeah. was like, uh, and she's like, "Not that I'm aware of, Sarah, or whatever." But like, yeah, it's um, but then the 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 sexuality of that scene i mean the absolute power that deneuve has she sarah spills spills some wine on her shirt deneuve just go takes the coat goes sits up puts her feet up leans Mm. back in the chair and watches her undress right uh and i'm like the absolute like dominance of Catherine deneuve um in this picture is unbelievable um yeah in a good way. I mean, and it's, it's, I don't mean unbelievable that I don't believe it. I mean like, no, holy shit. It's amazing. Right. Um, it is just extraordinary. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, what's your, what's so overall, so this is your first time seeing it. Right. Yeah. Um, not to awkwardly trans transition. No, away, no, um, but it just occurred to me that, um, that was something I was supposed to ask at the beginning. Uh, right. but it was the first time seeing the picture. Mm-hmm. What was your takeaway on it? Um, I thought there'd be more David Bowie uh, for one. <laughs> I didn't Fair. didn't expect him to 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 crap out of the plot, you know, halfway through. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's you know, it's it works for the story. But uh, I was expecting you know a larger role from for him, I guess. Um, I'm not usually one for the uh, lesbian vampire movies, like. You know, like the the Jess Franco stuff from the seventies, like never worked sure. for me because it's just like it's just erotica for erotica's sake. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was expecting to be underwhelmed by this one, and I was you know presently surprised you know that it wasn't you know like Vampiros Lesbos or you know any number of uh, Jess Franco films from the seventies. Um, yeah, it's not exploitation, right? Lesbian vampire. It's, yeah, it's it's yeah. an actual relationship story, and you know that struck me by surprise i didn't realize uh whitley stryber had, had written the novel either i've read i've read some of his stuff and uh he's most famous for communion uh which we should cover the movie version of that one day because it's just bonkers christopher walken and aliens you know yeah um so i 
I'd read like the wolf in and his communion books and stuff like that, but uh, I never read this one. So I might have to go check it out. Yeah. Um, but I dug it. Um, it's, it was a little um, awkwardly paced in, in a couple of places, but uh, overall I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I do think I, yeah. as far as pacing, I think I agree with you. The, the, the third act of this thing right. starts to kind of drag a bit. Um, and it kind of wants to be. It, it kind of wants to be longer and shorter at the same time. Like, I think the uh, the science aspect of this was really uh, underdeveloped. Um, could have used some more time to, to see, you know, how especially science was approaching it, this. This is a big facet of it, you know. Yeah, especially since it has no real bearing on anything. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just. Yeah. It's, it's just this dropped subplot, you know, and I'm sure. I'm sure in the novel it was, you know, it was a more fleshed out thing, you know, that's because that's just this, the nature of novels, you know, they yeah. have more room to play with. I wondered about myself. Yeah. Right. If, uh, yeah. If he, if he went more into why that's there or if it had more of a bearing on the plot. Um, right. But other than that, I mean, it, it's uh there's a, a certain metaphor to it. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, but, um, but it has no bearing on the actual plot. Um, right. And so that's a little awkward, uh, you know, it's even it, if they would have done a little more with, you know, you know, Susan Frandon being like, you know, caught between, you know, her, her wanting to be a scientist and approach things rationally and caught between that and, you know, her overwhelming feelings for, yeah. for Catherine Deneuve and, you know, her addiction, you know, her, her burgeoning addiction to, to yeah. blood would have, would have, you know, been nice. Well, the thing it always the thing that always strikes me about it, and I just watched it um right before we got on. Mm-hmm. And um I I still can't I still don't know quite what quite quite what to make of the hunger as a whole. Um right. I've seen it a couple of times now. Um, but in particular, I still don't really know what happens at the end of this movie. Um why what happens happens. Um right. and one would think it would mm-hmm. come from the science, right? right. Uh, yeah. That there would be, you know, something about, you know, Sarah's uh, research uh, mm-hmm. causes this effect that happens. Because what technically happens is um, Su- uh, Susan Wren's character, Sarah, rejects mm-hmm. immortality. Right. Uh, stabs herself in the neck. Um, and so Catherine Roof sort of takes her upstairs, put her in a box. Right, and if for whatever reason all the old vampires that are in a box come out of the come box, back to life, yeah. Um, they attack her. She then falls down the stairs, mm-hmm. uh, and then rapidly decays as right. the other bodies do as well. Which they had established that the vampire right. that that vampires never really die; they just kind of sit there and rot right. after a certain point. Except her, she does not. Um, and so. Uh, enough that seems to break the spell somehow, right? Um, but then we see at the end that Sarah's still a vampire and is mm-hmm. now the new Catherine Deneuve, right? Um, I have no idea where that where what happens, um, you know, why this, why suddenly, um, uh, uh, Miriam. Mm-hmm uh you know uh falls apart why right. her other former lovers now are the spell is broken for whatever reason they're now done for uh why mm-hmm. that happens is anybody's guess 
Right. Um, maybe the book makes sense. I don't know. Um, though I guess they changed the ending from, from what the book had. Um, I know I don't know offhand what the what the ending of the book was, but um, I did see something uh, about that. Yeah, that uh, Sarah, I guess originally was not supposed to survive. Right. I guess yeah. the studio wanted to change the ending to leave it open for a sequel, uh, according to yeah. Susan Strandon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that ending doesn't really scan with you know what we saw before it. Uh, um, it's it's very abrupt and 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 kind of forgets the rules of the film to to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Such as they are. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. The hunger doesn't really have rules. It doesn't right. really. Uh, it's something that I do think I appreciate about this movie is that there is no, you know, we, we're going to throw in uh interview the vampire next week, right. which is one of the, uh, probably the first time in vampire fiction that has a vampire teaching another vampire to do shit. Right. Uh, which does explain all the rules. Um, you know, even in Dracula and all that stuff, you had Van Helsing being like, you know, here's what we know, right? right. Here's the rules. The hunger doesn't happen. No. Uh, we're we're left to sort of discover these things as they go. Even Twilight has like you know, uh, here's how we work, right? To uh, you know, a uh, human character. Uh, this movie does not have that. It has. No. Um, it basically mirror, plays yeah. them like you know, like humans with an abnormally large you know lifespan. Yeah, and a little bit maybe a physical ability. Right. Uh, Miriam's able to throw some people around. Yeah, so. Yeah. That seems to be that. Um, right. And then we do learn that eventually it seems all of Miriam's lovers uh, rapidly grow old at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and at which point she puts them in a box, tells them they'll sit there forever, um, right. which sucks for them. Um, yeah. But um, which, of course, is the entire point in many ways of of Miriam as an antagonist, as a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the thing of course, that strikes me the most about, you know, the relationship between her and Sarah is it's abusive, right? Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's very apparent from when, you know, uh, Sarah's found out that she's got vampire blood in her goes in to see Miriam says, what's happening to me? Why, you know, and Miriam basically right. says, well, you gotta do what I tell you to do. And Sarah says, well, no, I'm leaving. And she said, well, you'll be back. You need me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, you know, there is no choice in the matter. Um, you know, it's a very, uh, it's an abuse narrative in a way that Miriam uses up her lovers. She controls them. She she, she uses them up. And then rather than let them go, she mm-hmm. just locks them up and moves on to the next one. Right. Which is the only thing I can wonder is that if Miriam is keeping them alive. Um, like the rapid aging thing uh-huh. is a result. The rapid age, if if it's if it's under her power, the rapid aging right. thing is is because that she no longer really wants him around, right? Um, or she's grown uh, tired. Well, it's uh, definitely although, the meta. That's definitely the metaphor they're going for, but I don't know. Right, if it's, you know the actual. Act. But it would explain if uh, if like she loses that control at the end of the picture, then that's right. why they all rot. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's um. But I think that ultimately, because and that's, it's just one of the things that struck me. Because I so I was trying to figure this out. So I googled it real quick mm-hmm. before we came on. I said, okay, I'm going to see if anybody can explain to me what the hell this ending is. Um, right. And uh, I googled it, and somebody it came up with an article that I thought was unnecessarily uh, harsh on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
shocker i know right um <laughs> being the internet but um it i found what i and it didn't really explain anything it just basically said, this is what happens and i'm like okay great that i knew that i watched it. right um but what it went on to do was sort of approach the film from a moralistic perspective Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately kind of discussing how all the characters are unlikable right. and um, and how that doesn't really make any sense and how it's, you know, and as as such, it's a bad film. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because as far as like, you know, ironic comeuppance, well, isn't Sarah, Sarah's not very likable. She refused right. to help uh, John. You know, um, she blew him off. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't she also deserve... Uh, uh, a comeuppance fate and everything. And I said, well, I think you're looking at this movie the wrong way. I don't mm-hmm. think this movie is a moralistic tale. Um, no. It's it's more like people being people. Because when you go down that road with morality and humanity, I mean, the idea that anybody fits into villain, hero or villain is a fictional conceit. Right. Um, in real life, very rarely does anybody think they're the villain. Um and they make decisions based on who they are, where they come from, what, you know, and what the outcome they're looking for is. Yeah. Miriam, Miriam was not, would, does not consider herself the bad guy on any way, shape or form. And she thinks no. what she's doing is, you know, nominally good. Um, you know, she, she's, as she says to Sarah, I've given you immortality. All right. Asterisk. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, which is, of course, the key point. She does not tell, uh, t- doesn't tell Sarah what the right. end result is. Um, you know, it seems John was aware of it. He was aware it would come one day, but um, it's. Uh, but I think he. But at the same time, he didn't seem to know there was no ending to it. Right. She does. He does say, "Kill me," and she's like, "I can't." And I'm like, "Well, I'm, I'm, there's got to be a way to kill him." I mean, <laughs> right. You're right. I mean, everything can die. But um, but that's what I mean is that's why the whole thing is kind of vague where I'm like, is she saying I can't because I can't bear to or because I literally can't? I, um, I took it as can't bear to, you know, she yeah. didn't bring herself to do it. Um, and that's, yeah, I think so too. And that's, I think, that's, you know, one of the big failings of her character, you know, one of the things that we're supposed to come away with, you know, is that, you know, she's 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 weak in, in, in that way um, that she couldn't, you know, do what's right by any of her past lovers mm-hmm. you know right if you right. know eventually this this uh uh you are immortal but the other person is just going to be really long-lived right um and the end result is going to be you know rapid decay mm-hmm. seems like the the you know the right thing to do would probably be to take him out right at the end you know when this yeah. when this when this event happens um you know, it's because uh, I mean, outside of that, she doesn't. You know, she's not really um, trying to think of the right way to put this because yeah, it's um, she's not more ro- any more morally reprehensible than you know any any vampire that you know a, a vampire story wants us to identify with. Um, right. She's not. She's not any worse than any others. You know, and up until that point, you know. True. Um, True outside of the fact that i think she was um grooming that little girl to be her next lover um that that's 
that's there pretty is horrific. That. There, there is that. There is horrific, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, but I felt like that's why she was keeping her around. It's um, hard to say. Uh, right. There is the scene where he brings it up. Yeah. Um, where he says, "Who is your? Who is your? Who who you picked to replace me? Is it right? Is it is her? her?" And she just and then he says, kills her because you know to stop it, basically. Well, I think I I read it as that he killed her because he was hungry, but um, well, there's but, that, yeah. but I think there was also there was also like you know some jealousy and you know territorialness to it. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. certainly some there, but at the same time, he had failed to kill two other people, right? Because he was uh he's a predator so that lost his lost his teeth right yeah. um you know and um which are arguably the the film's best sequences i think i think john oh, is sure. probably the best part of this movie and yeah. um and it's uh it it's something that maybe um the movie may have been better off uh exploring a little bit more but right. um but yeah it's um because those those scenes are both very powerful I think in the sense that he's um, in one case, one is definitely jealousy. He's like, he's right. in the bathroom at the hospital with a, a you know, good looking young man. Right. Um, and the young man thinks he's being checked out to a degree. And yeah. he's kind of and like weirded he out. Is, yeah. Yeah. And in ways he is, but right. you know, because that, uh, you know, John is looking at him jealously, mm-hmm. um, but also he's thinking about eating him. He's right. hungry. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he's, he doesn't end up doing it to get interrupted. So he goes after the real roller skating guy mm-hmm. who just overpowers him. Right. You know, and then he just runs off like limping. I mean, when you look at both those scenes and be like, you know, you are looking at a, uh, a predator, a natural right. predator who is too old to hunt, you know, yeah, yeah. and there's, yeah. And there's something very sad about it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very, very unsettling and Bowie plays it um very very well. Um agreed. He's a better actor than you think he would be. Yeah. Um I know you said you never saw um Man of Fell to Earth. No. Um but a brilliant, pretty brilliant film. Uh and he's he's very good in it. But um obviously he'd been in Labyrinth mm-hmm. uh prior to this, I think. Yeah. When was Labyrinth made? No, Labyrinth was after this. After this, yeah. yeah. I think it was like eighty five or eighty six. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah, I think Man to Feather Earth may have been before this, though. I can't remember. Um, I mean, anyway, he's a pretty good actor. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen him in, uh, uh, we saw him in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me for a minute. Um, right. Doing that awful accent. <laughs> um, which apparently was his idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe he, so. like, he wanted to do that dumb accent. Right. And David Lynch indulged him because that's what David Lynch does. Yeah. But. But yeah, yeah. The man who fell to earth was 1976. So yeah, okay, well before this. Before yeah, this. yep, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a good actor, mm-hmm. Bowie. And um, there are some really nice subtle moments in this picture, even before he ages. You know, of right. um, of just these moments of of real um melancholy, uh, mm-hmm. which is a difficult emotion to convey. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's he's not quite depressed, you know, he's not quite, you know, despairing. Uh he's just like unsettled. Right. You know, especially in those early sequences. He's laying in bed, you know, he the two of them have made love, they killed some people, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's laying in bed and he wakes up, he goes and smokes a cigarette. And there's just this moment of like, you know, something's wrong. Right. Um, it's, um, you know, and of course the idea of a vampire can't sleep. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, um, we usually are get the vampire trope of, you know, they go in a coffin and they right. pass out, you know, they don't just sit there, you know, having insomnia. Um, they uh this guy he can't sleep and i don't think i've ever seen that before or since uh of a vampire can't sleep um but yeah i mean but just the idea of um also just there's such clever ideas and it's like a vampire terminal illness right how interesting you know i've never yeah you don't see like a you know the portrait of a dying vampire you know too often yeah yeah part of me almost wishes that you know more of the film was was devoted to that yeah no i agree um i think he's he's a he's kind of the heart and soul of his picture mm-hmm. and um and he is sort of shuffled off pretty quickly um right. uh and i do think it's after that point the movie starts to drag a little um yeah. even though we do get you know some really really beautiful um sequences between Catherine Deneuve and susan sarandon mm-hmm. um there is something that happens narratively where uh maybe it loses some direction right um you know it doesn't seem to know where it's going um you know we it's i think some of it is also this like jumping from a relationship that feels lived into a brand new one um you know there is that aspect of um it's it's interesting because it's an interesting kind of um subversion because usually yeah. the lived-in relationship is usually the you know what we might consider the duller one whereas the new relationship right. is more exciting um in this case it's reversed you know mm-hmm. there is something and maybe it's maybe it's just as simple as you know we came to see vampires be vampires right and, yeah it could uh, be you know so we watch this relationship of two vampires and then we say well now we're going to bring a mortal into this in the second half instead of the first right. half um it's just defying expectation mm-hmm. um but yeah in terms of i think we we went off we've covered a lot of ground in that random tangent right. there that <laughs> uh, um but in terms of like like i said that article discussing it in terms of ironic comeuppance and moral uh consequence mm-hmm. um what do you make of that in this film? I don't think I don't think this film is particularly interested in, you know, showing, you know, moral comeuppance or, or anything like that. I, I think it's just. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's just more um, more interested in, in showing, you know, the ending, especially, I think, is, you know, just about, you know, her. Uh, I guess, you know, that, you know, her, if you pardon the pun, you know, her, she never laid her past relationships to rest. Uh, and they, you know, came back to, to bite her in the ass in the end. Um, but I don't think that's, you know, supposed to be, you know, like a Tales from the Crypt, you know, style of come up and her, or, right. Or to Twilight Zone-esque twist, I think it's just you know it's just the logical conclusion of this this story that we've been being told in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah, um, 
which kind of belies the fact that the ending is kind of nonsensical. Um, yeah. And it doesn't make total sense, but it, it, I thematically, I think it fits, it fits well um, with, you know, the themes of, you know, relationships new and old and, uh, you know, loss and, um, and the, like I said, not being able to put, you know, the past to rest. It's just, you know, it's always there slumbering, but it's never actually dead. Yeah. Yeah. My, my other question to be with you, because you kind of touched on it there, so might as well just ask it as a compound question. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, as you mentioned, the, the ending is kind of nonsensical, as right. we've talked about. We don't exactly know why or what happens exactly. But we right. kind of get we, we kind of get what what happens. We just don't yeah. exactly know why or how. Um, right. Do you think that's actually the film's detriment? Mm. Is that a weakness? Not really. Like I said, yeah. I think the ending, uh, aside from the ending being feeling awfully abrupt, um, like I said, this movie seemed like it at the same time wanted to be shorter and longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the ending kind of snuck up on you a little bit um, mm-hmm. to where it's like, oh, I thought there was, you know, another 15 minutes, you know, coming before the, the ending of this. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's to the detriment. Of, I think it's just, it's, I don't, um, I'll put it this way. Like the ending of the film didn't make me rate it any lower than I already did, uh, which sounds like a, I'm putting down the film, um, but yeah. it didn't, um, it didn't um, negatively affect my, my feelings for the film. So I, no, I don't okay. think it really to the detriment right so the, the ending didn't didn't sway you in one direction or the other you're not saying right. you didn't like the movie you're just saying yeah, I, you I, like I, it the same as you did before the ending exactly okay right um yeah i know i agree with you um and I'm, I'm with you on that i think i think that to a degree even the nonsensical aspect of it kind of does work um right. although i think to your point um what happens immediately prior to it is mm-hmm. the most shocking moment in the picture Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is relatively bloodless, yeah, oddly enough, for a vampire picture. Um, right. however, when that sequence happens, when she you know, Sarandon stabs herself in the neck, there's a lot of blood, right? Both covered in it for a minute, yeah. and it's this shocking image. And I, uh, and I was kind of uh, reaching the point where you know, like Clifton Young dies, and I was kind of scrolling through my phone a little bit, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily because of the movie being, um, uh, uh, slowing down, oh, that was part of it, but right. was also that uh, you know my boss actually, uh, as you know this, but you know my my boss was in the hospital last night, and I got an email from him, so I was checking that right. a little bit to see what was up. Yeah. Um, is he out? By the way, is he? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Okay. He's fine. Cool. Um. Yeah, he'll be in tomorrow for our our management meeting. We're good. Um. But yeah, he's okay. Um. But yeah, the um. I was uh. So I was kind of doing that, but I remember when I was doing that and then I looked up at, and I saw that image of like Catherine Deneuve, like covered in blood. Right. And I was like, stopped everything I was doing. was just like transfixed because it's such a shocking image. Um, It really did work. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and so then for her to kind of be like, well, I guess you're going in a box and then we're going to get weird. Um, It didn't, 
it felt like, and I think you're right that to the to the point where you're like, it kind of wants to be both longer and shorter. Right. Uh, whether we have to wrap this up somehow. Um, but I expected a little bit more of a of a personal uh climax between those two characters. Right. Um, especially where we we're at, you know, right at that moment where there is this rejection. Right. Uh like do you think this should have been like a big fight or something? Or like I don't I well, that's the problem. What do you do? Like an argument, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? How do right. you end this picture? Who the hell knows? I mean, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay off the bodies in the boxes. Right. You gotta. Uh, so, I mean, I think the question is, is how do you do both? And I think that they realized that they just couldn't. Um, right. And like we said, uh, obviously the ending was changed as well. So that possibly was the end of Sarah. Right. Uh, narratively speaking. I, I think, yeah, I, th- if I were to guess like what the, what, how the ending was changed i think um the part where sarah is shown to still be alive and and uh, miriam is shown to be dead i think that that's the part they added on uh, yeah. i think the stuff with the coffins and the then uh, the uh the mummies or whatever you want to call them you know coming back and attacking her uh, was already there because that's not the sort of thing you just change the ending of uh oh no it's and, too thematic it, yeah it's yeah, too thematically it's, yeah. driven and, it, and yeah. it's too expensive um yeah they would never suggest an ending that was you know so expensive to do <laughs> yeah and, and and involved to do with you know makeup and effects and yeah and all that oh no if you just wanted to end this thing you just have you would just have sarah push her over this <laughs> push her over the right yeah and yeah. call it a day um right you know or you know rewritten it to that you know there's a some sort of weakness in which you know and like i said you would think uh and that's what i uh, i kept kind of expecting was at that moment that because i had i'd seen the movie before and i kind of remembered the ending but i didn't remember how we got there necessarily and right. so i was kind of was shot just as shocked as you when you know we cut from uh you know sarah stabbing herself in the neck and there's just being all this blood everywhere to right. upstairs uh you know and then total eclipse of the heart starts right. um you know it's um uh so i was kind of shocked there too but i kept expecting some sort of moment where uh because they they the image shows a lot of like sarah's blood on miriam's face right right and and all that that i kind of was and the whole thing of like you know them kissing with the blood between the mouths um right gnarly stuff um yeah but uh just a, a again that sequence is just fucking great but right um but yeah it's you i kept expecting there to be some sort of like suddenly she starts rotting and like what did you what's happening and sarah mm-hmm. been like oh i took these pills or something you know like right. uh my research you know yeah. which is supposed to be about de-aging right it's right. supposed to be about taking care of progeria Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, would have been like, well, actually, it turns out my research is is getting somewhere, right. and so therefore, like, I've been doing these treatments on myself since I became a vampire. That would be the movie that that's that's the twenty twenty four, the hunger ending. Yeah, I think is, you know, fooled you like you know, <laughs> I dosed myself. Right. Enjoy enjoy de aging. Uh, you know. Um, but I kept kind of expecting that moment where it would be like, there's something wrong with Sarah's blood. Right. And that's why what happens happens where Miriam is like, well, wait a minute. Now I'm falling apart. And then that would inform, 
you know, if her magic, so to speak, uh, is falling apart, then why right. her her uh, past lovers are like, you know, um, going to fall apart. Suddenly awaken, yeah. Right. Yeah, they awaken and get their revenge and then Suddenly are done. Apart. Right. Yeah. Um, by the way, I love the way they set up the, the two cadavers that fall on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the male falls against the wall and the female pops into almost like a spooning position. Right. Um, lovely image. Uh, mm-hmm. Another really great, uh, great choice of blocking. Yeah. Um, and they both look relaxed. Um, it's such a such an interesting image. Um, but yeah, they uh, that would all make sense to me. Where it was yeah. like, well, it turns out Sarah's scientific research is the undoing of Miriam and her right. vampiric line. Like, oh, I found an antidote to this. Yeah. You know, so exactly. You, you know. Exactly. And like I said, that would be the 2024 version. Right. You know, uh, starring, um, you know, Zoe Grace Moretz. And, right. uh, you know, um, but yeah, that would be the that would be the ending. Um, you know, be starring Taylor Swift and um, <laughs> as Catherine Deneuve. And right. uh, and uh, yeah, I mean. um. When's that gonna happen? When's that? When's uh, never mind. I'm not getting off. On, I'm not gonna get off on that. Tangent. We're we're talking about the wrong blood sucking fiend. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, uh, I'm not even gonna go there. But yeah, right. the um, um, we were having a conversation earlier. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's inside baseball. That's right. for us. Um, but yeah, the um, but no, that would seriously would be the the ending of a modern version of the story. I think would right. be. The scientific research pays off as the Achilles heel for the vampire. Yeah. Um, instead, it goes nowhere. It's right. it's metaphorical. I mean, like obviously, I mean, it doesn't take a, a film scholar to understand what's going on with the monkeys is what's going on right. with uh, Miriam and John, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing is that the genders are reversed in the monkeys, right? Which is supposed to tell you a little bit of something about Miriam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Great little moment of like Shuma, but why did he suddenly turn on her? He loved her, and they're like, "You think he loved her?" Right. Uh, but then he just ripped her apart and ate her. Yeah. And it was like, "Well, who are we talking about?" Well, we're talking about Miriam, right? You know, um, you know, she never really. She thought she loved John, but she didn't really love John. Um, mm-hmm. She loved what John brought to her. Um, but yeah, you'd expect all that to pay off. Instead, it becomes. Uh, but the, that article I read also referred to it as like wasted time or whatever. Right. Like it was uh, MacGuffin, and I was like, well, no, it's a little more than that. It's still a metaphor. Right. Um, and it's it, it might be muddy, but it's there. Right. Um, but yeah, you would expect for it to pay off in some way. The only thing I agree with the article on was like, why is Dan Hedaya in this movie? And mm. I'm like, no, I agree with that. Right. You know, Dan Hadaya showing up as uh, the detective with the missing persons um, mm-hmm. does nothing. It literally does nothing. No, I think the only reason they kept him in the film was so they could have, you know, the the exposition ending. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Just, just that. I think if I were going to write it to to have some sort of personal comeuppance, I, I would have written it where, you know, Sarah has found a cure for her affliction. Um, but she knows that it'll it'll kill her, uh, you know. She just so she takes it anyways, and, you know. Shares her blood with with Miriam, and 
since Miriam can't be killed, she's just, you know, cured of vampirism. And, you know, now she has to live her life as a human. And also she's all alone now right. because, you know, everybody, everybody she loved is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see um, that. Yeah. Because I, I never got the feeling, you know, there's a lot of vampire stories, modern ones especially, where, you know, the vampire sees it, you know, sees their their status as as a curse or an affliction mm-hmm. and you know i don't really get that with miriam you know she's she oh, seems she happy enough to be a vampire um, she loves it and uh yeah the only thing she really feels any sort of bad about you know is is losing her lovers uh but you know she's she moves on from just fine yeah you know within days yeah. right she spent well, argue what what must have been might have been uh, three hundred years or three hundred years yeah. with yeah, yeah with John and then uh, well Susan Sarandon shows up you right. know and it's uh, no I mean great taste you move yeah, from David Bowie sure. to Susan Sarandon in nineteen eighty three particularly mm-hmm. um, uh, moving from David Bowie to anybody in nineteen eighty three is 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 a is a tricky proposition <laughs> yeah but, but no uh, I mean Susan Sarandon's think, a good it's a good choice good lateral move yeah. Yeah, um, you know, in particular in this film, I mean, I, I Susan Sarandon is uh, not that she's not lovely now, but you right. know, uh, in this particular film, she's so shiny, um, mm. and um, uh, and just very uh, very lovely. Um, but they can't you uh, get to that article's point where they're like everybody's unlikable, mm. and I'm like, yeah, I guess, but uh, Sarah's not uh, presented as your typical protagonist, right? Um, and since when does a you know movie have to have likable characters? I mean, no, we've talked about this before, right? Where likability and relatability are two entirely different things, right? And I think everybody in here is kind of relatable. Um, mm-hmm. Sarah might be a little wooden. I might right. give I might give you that. Um, you know, uh, she's a little underdeveloped. Uh, I think would be more accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, we have plenty of moments, but mostly what we know from her is she's driven in her work. Right. Um, she's got this relationship that um, doesn't really do much other than uh, provide a minor uh, amount of uh, conflict. Right. Um, but uh, I do like Clifty Young. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I was glad to see him. And um, yeah, I forgot he was good. in it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's just here to play his. Uh, mildly unlikable douchebag character, <laughs> right. and we're uh, we're off to the races. It's he does um, it so well, though. Yeah, yeah. it's his thing. Yep. Great character actor, and that sometimes that you know, mm-hmm. sometimes the best character actors just play dicks in every movie, and that's just what they do, right? Um, but yeah, that's Clifty Young in a nutshell. But uh, but I do love the scene when they're in the restaurant, by the way, where he's getting upset and jealous about you right. know, um, hey, he's clearly. He's clearly catching on. Um, right. In, she's in such a, a smart woman. How does she come up with such a bad cover story? You know, it's. She's flustered. I yeah. Mean, I guess. Yeah. I would probably. I mean, we just a, we just talked uh, for three yeah, and a half hours. For three and a half hours. And I'm wearing her necklace. Right. right. And if I seem distracted, it's because I'm thinking about us having sex in a pool. Right. Um. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, also, I mean, it, okay, we talked about the the lateral move of David Bowie to Catherine Deneuve, but right. no offense to Cliff DeYoung, right. but the exponential jump from <laughs> right. Cliff DeYoung yeah. to Catherine Deneuve, um, yeah. you know, 
uh, I'm single. I guess I could say this, but I mean, like, if I ran into, you know, Catherine Deneuve, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like, I'm day passing. I mean, right. I'm just kidding. If I were actually in a relationship, I wouldn't, I would <laughs> yeah. not cheat on her, even if she looked like Catherine Deneuve. Think about it, but I wouldn't do it um because i'm not scummy <laughs> but um but the point is although i would probably just ask permission to be honest at that point i mean like right. we look like Catherine Deneuve. i would be like go to go to say girlfriend and be like so you want to hit that too i mean like let's right, do this right. um You're doing that she, uh couple across the bar buying you drinks uh kind of oh, thing that's, i mean <laughs> that's what i thought about that first time uh, that that first scene actually i was right. like this is what happens when you actually go home with the couple that says hey right. we noticed you're across the bar and we like your vibe um that was my riff to myself I was like right. that's the meme right there yep. uh don't go home with that couple shit gonna get weird they're probably not gonna like stab onks in your neck and drink your blood but you but never know you never really know um it's a goth bar Bauhaus yep. is playing I, I there could be some blood drinking happening mm -hmm. I don't know. but but no I mean I joke but obviously like you know that's the that's the point of that scene is that you know in many ways is that She's right. coming up with such shitty lies because she's so enraptured yeah. by how by everything Miriam presents herself to be. Right. And then, of course, we get to the we get to the point where she comes back and says, well, actually, you technically drugged me. Right. Um, you know what? And what? And that's the thing is that this movie is an abuse film, I think, at its heart. Yeah. Where Miriam yeah. is an abuser. Um. And she seems like she's everything you could ever want. But in reality, she's planning on using you until she gets bored. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to spend eternity in a box. Yeah. Decayed, unable to move. Right. Uh, and then she's going to pick the next person and not be upfront with them mm -hmm. about how this is going to end. Um, yeah, she you know, has all the power in the, in the relationships. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's never a good thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. And but the thing is, is that, you know, she probably we get to the, we get the impression that with John, mm -hmm. um, she made him think he was an equal. Right. You know, um, that's why that's what makes it so heartbreaking was yelling her name and being like, you know, uh, come back and talk to me. And she's like, I don't feel like doing that. Right. Um, and he's like, you know, when he finds out, finds out what's happening and he says, come back and talk to me, he's yelling her name as she goes upstairs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, she doesn't have to talk to him anymore. Um, and then of course when he's old, he's like, kiss me like you did before. She's like, I can't. Right. You know, um, uh, that's not love, not real mm -hmm. love. No. You know, if you, you know, your terminally ill partner, uh, asks mm -hmm. for that last kiss and you say you can't, I mean, that's, right. um, it's you know, I'm bad. not, it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, again, I, that's you at home. I, I mean, obviously different relationships and different people are who they are, but, um, and I'm not going to cast, you know, cast stones, but, uh, but no, I mean, in theory, you know, real love is, you know, that's why, that's why marriage vows usually do have in sickness and in, you know, health, right. Right. You know, life and death, rich and poor mm -hmm. is no matter what happens, you're going to be together. Right. You yeah. know? Um, and, um, that's why you're probably not supposed to take that vow that lightly, is, right. And it's something you should probably be thinking about. But if there's anything studying fiction has taught me is that fiction says that's bad. Right. right? Um, I remember in Lost, actually, that's how uh, Jack and his wife get together is that she gets uh, his wife is in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Jack is trying to take care of trying to fix her back. Uh, it's been shattered. And her fiance mm -hmm. comes and talks to him and, and 
bails when he finds out she'll probably need help going to the bathroom. Right. And he takes off and Jack is sort of horrified at the guy's response. Yeah. You know, and it's like you were about to marry her and you didn't consider what happens when she might get sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but no, I mean, you, it's something to consider. I'm sure you consider it with your wife, you know, yeah. that if something were to happen and you got to take care of her. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to get to, I just wanted to, to, I guess, half-assedly put a, you know, caveat onto that just in case, you know, didn't want to offend anybody, I guess, but, right. um, or, or, uh, make anybody feel bad about themselves. But, um, but the point is, is that Miriam doesn't love John enough to care for him. Right. To know? do right and, by him. Yeah. Yeah. She will, uh, once he's no longer, you know, David Bowie looking. Right. He, uh, he's no longer of use. Um, or even uh, if you wanted to go down that predator predator route, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of, this is a, an effect putting him out to pasture. Right. You know, he's no longer a reliable hunting partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, these two different aspects, but either way, it's, it's not casting a particularly positive light on Miriam no. as a person. Um, and that's ultimately what Sarah rejects is right. I'm not going to be like you. Um, but I think to your, to your point too, that's, it's, again, it's part of the problem is that not enough time is really put into that relationship with Miriam and Sarah, right. Uh, for Sarah's choice to land properly, I think. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, it's, it's of interest to me that, you know, normally I'm a big advocate of movies being shorter these right. days. But maybe another fifteen minutes would have actually helped some stuff in the yeah. hunger. Um, that this maybe is a, a pretty pretty tight, you know, hour and what thirty eight minutes or something like that. It's it's yeah, it's pretty tight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe a little bit more time with uh both in with David Bowie in the first half and with Sarah mm-hmm. in the second half would have done more. I think Miriam is perfect. Right. However, in yeah. this narrative, um, we know just enough about her uh that we both sort of desire her and are repelled by her right um that um and it's uh you know um that it works but um but yeah maybe more time with our other two supporting cast members would have actually made this narrative land a little heavier right Um, a little a little more flesh on its bones would you know would have been nice and um, yeah i think would have went a long way to uh stave off you know the criticisms of this film which i saw were mostly like you know that this is style over substance mm-hmm. um and you know it, it, I, I i get that to a degree um like i said that you know could have been fleshed out a little bit more and um the style is is so great in this you know yeah tony tony scott knows what he's doing and um i don't know who the cinematographer is off the top of my head but you know they're looking it up now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i can i've got They're the imdb open yeah. yep. uh steven goldblatt ah okay um, steven goldblatt you know really nailed it yeah um, and so yeah i think you know when there's a lack of enough substance you know and, and this much style you're you're gonna get those kind of you know criticisms made against it yeah well as we said earlier i mean like uh you know tony scott coming from uh music videos commercials right 
is definitely apparent here um right. you know he it's it has a very and in fact i uh, i love it in, in those moments and it's something that i wish they did more of in the second half which is the mm-hmm. weird staccato editing jumps right um you know the opening of this film is so strange uh yeah. in the way it jumps um mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that he doesn't keep the music st- uh steady throughout right. those cuts um Bauhaus is playing and it cuts to something else there's no Bauhaus anymore and then we go right. back to Bauhaus um what a choice um yeah you know it then any other movie would be a montage right Bauhaus playing over it um instead he he cuts that you yeah. know that staccato style um and it's so interesting looking uh mm-hmm. and so in in so jarring that I'm like yeah this is uh, I, I'm digging this, right. and then it starts to. He he drops it midway through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of stop doing it, and I'm a little, and it's yeah. like, and I think maybe that again, that could have been some stuff that could have worked. Um, you know, they do a little bit of it. Um, like I said, the scene where she's where uh, Sarah's talking to her husband, right? Uh, in mid conversation, they keep chopping to like you know Catherine Deneuve naked in a pool. Right. Um, you know, the way he cuts the uh the way they cut the uh sex scene together mm-hmm. is done in that rapid fire style as well. Right. Along with some interesting camera work and some camera angles. Um I, I noticed like one point um Sarah's upside down in the narrative, but mm-hmm. it's actually the camera that's upside right. down. Um and so it has this other world equality. Um you know, in terms of steamy sex scenes, it's not exactly, you know, it's not a top 10, but it's a good right. one. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, and, you know, as far as blood drinking scenes and vampire pictures, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's shot very elegantly, uh, you know, of course, with all the wafting curtains and it's very, right. uh, very lesbian, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, uh, like I said, occasionally this thing starts looking like a Bonnie Tyler video um but that's okay (laughs) yeah you know i like bonnie tyler videos so it works out um but yeah it's the music video influence is definitely on display here but i think it's really easy to look at that and say no substance right and And i I think think that's that's something that you know yeah uh film critics you know if if they see a lot of style they just assume there's no substance you know and i think that's you know Part of what you know they're they're talking about here is they they underestimate how much substance there is to this film. Yeah, oh, I think there's a lot going on to the surface. And right. Yeah, I think most mo- most if not all imagery imagery in this film has some sort of value or meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like you said, there are ways. I mean, we've even demonstrated it. This sequence and with the uh, the teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you read it as a jealousy. Uh, right. scene where I read it as a, a hunter scene, right? You know, uh, easy prey. Um, both are probably half right, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it, but that scene has so much significance. Mm-hmm. But what that significance is, is sort of left open, um, right? You know, and to, to, uh, and again, to, to not necessarily make an excuse, but I mean, Bo is acting under some pretty heavy prosthetics. Right. So he's, you know, there's only so much he can convey. But the point I, where he's completely unrecognizable except for his eyes, you know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. 
Um, but I mean, I love that scene too, but, uh, just mm -hmm. because also like, you know, she's like, I can't figure out John. He's like, you know, you don't like John. She's like, Oh no, I love him. You know? Right. And he's like, and it's, he's like, you know, play that song. I like And you're like, Oh, he's going to kill the shit out of her. Right. But he just, now he's just not going to feel good about it. Um, you know, it's, uh, because she said she loved him. So now he's, you know, he's going to kill her and feel, feel badly about it. But, but I read it as a, you know, easy prey sequence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the way he they shoot that, where you know, um, uh, again, another wonderful, very kind of subtle moment. There's some close-ups of her eyes where she's looking mm -hmm. over her shoulder a little bit. She doesn't know what he's gonna about to do. Right, he's crossing behind her. She's kind of aware she's in danger. Um, it's a really interesting scene, um, but there's a lot of significance to it. Right, uh, to say that it has no substance isn't accurate unfair yeah. yeah yeah it's an unfair assessment um i think every scene has meaning uh mm -hmm. it's just whether or not what you want to see in it right uh but i think that any movie that wants to i mean it's 1983 uh you know mm -hmm. we're in the middle of we're we're in the aids crisis right. 83 we're in uh you know homosexuality is being viewed in a certain way mm -hmm. like you mentioned comparing this movie to uh franco you know uh right. exploitation right uh you know this movie's you know it's not afraid to be a little titillating right. for sure but it's not exploitive it actually wants to discuss in some ways it it there's something uh, until it's not there's something very mm -hmm. wholesome about the way miriam and sarah interact right um it's not as um Tawdry, but I mean, again, that's another read of the film. If you wanted mm -hmm. to look at it that way, is this is an AIDS story, right? You know, um, you know, it's uh, it's to yeah, I think to dismiss it as style over substance is to is a discredit right. to the film. Uh, it's definitely more than that. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, that's a silly thing to say. I think right. Well, that's yeah. that's that. I, I looked up some of the uh, you know. Sure. Critiques at the time, and yeah, you know, that's that's that was the big one they they claimed, um, and I didn't quite agree with it either because it's just like, are we watching the same film? Um, yeah, yeah. If anything, it's it's there's so much substance it gets in the way of the style, right? Like you know, it's um, in some ways I think the I I would say, however, the best sequences in this movie are very stylish, right? Um, yeah. You know, maybe to the point that I think this film's style is still its best weapon. Right. But to say that it's style over substance, I think, isn't quite accurate. There's still a lot of substance to be had. But I think the style is the best part. Right. Um, and I mean, it's got David Bowie in it. Obviously, it's stylish. You yeah. Know? I, mean, I mean, it's in Catherine Deneuve. Right. But um, the um, it was just I remember watching. Um, it's a. Uh, I don't recommend actually watching this Talking Head thing. It, um, the fifty horror movies you've never seen. You seen right. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not very Long good. Long time ago. No. Yeah. Um. Although there are a couple of um uh films on the list that are uh, worth checking out, but um, but uh, any list that uh, that did go out of its way to mention at the time, Exorcist three, right? Um. You know, can't be all bad. Can't be all bad, yeah. right? But um, also, it did talk about, um, uh, I think it's Lamora, 
mm-hmm. um, which is a really, really interesting uh, fairy tale vampire picture that's really right. worth checking out. Uh, have you seen that one? No, no, it's good. No. Um, I think it's a little hard to find these days, but it's mm-hmm. actually it's it's really good. And I'd I'd heard of it from uh, heard about it from this do- that documentary, so ah. I checked it out. Um, but this movie it mentioned the hunger, right? In that documentary. And uh, one of the talking heads was a, a young woman who uh, does a did a vampire uh, convention thing, a vampire movie mm-hmm. convention, who just exclaims at one point, uh, "Who wouldn't want to be with her? Who wouldn't want to spend eternity with her?" Right? She's hot. Holy shit! And like that's <laughs> the end of the quote. And I'm like, it's so accurate right. that I was like, no, like Catherine Deneuve in this movie is a total holy shit. Yeah. Um, it's uh almost absurd how right. uh how just stunning Catherine Deneuve in this movie but although I think Sarandon gives gives uh gives as good as she get is as good as she gets oh for though. sure yeah. yeah um there's something very alluring about Sarandon in this movie I mean as far as so, hot leads you know this is like you know yeah. The, the the trinity of these three years you know is there's a lot of hotness hard to movie. beat yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then Dan Hadaya because right. you know yeah. yeah but um but yeah no i, I think you're right to the dan Hadaya thing is uh, now that you say that and you th- i'm thinking about it I'm like yeah you're absolutely right the only reason why the detective's there is for the denouement at the end right like you know i'm looking for her like oh well she's dead uh right. the house has been sold and the proceeds have gone to the hospital you know right wonder why that is yeah um and uh then of course we cut to susan sarandon i guess has made a couple new vampires that mm-hmm. she's with and then uh and miriam is locked in a box you know uh, right in the in the two in the 2024 version um uh the end of the movie actually would have been miriam's fist coming through the box <laughs> you know what i right. mean like it would have yeah. been like you know actually that would have been the post credit scene right 2024 right. uh you sit through five minutes of credits and then it would be the box shakes or something right it's like the end of uh, Batman versus they, Superman. Yeah, and then you know somebody says it's Morbin time, and uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the man who was with my mother in the jungle where she was studying spiders when she died. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, I'm actually going to be doing a staff screening of Madam Web this week. I'm kind of excited. Oh, really? Yeah, I am. I I I I uh, I did I not wanna, know. I, I would not have guessed that you would be excited for that. Oh, I can't wait to watch this dumb fucking movie. Right. I I wanna I I that line read has got to be the greatest thing. Uh, great the the it's the greatest worst line read mm-hmm. I have ever seen. My Which boss one? this week. That's uh, that's the guy who uh, it's oh, that's right, the man right, who yeah. was with right. my mother in the Amazon jungle where she was studying spiders when she died. Right. Um. It's you try to you try to make a good line read out of that. You know, it's not gonna no, happen. No, no, it's never gonna happen. Yeah. Right. But I mean, how do you do that? But actually, my boss came in this morning because I covered for my the owner of the theater came in. My boss uh, uh right. is was out. So I was in there this early this morning, and uh the owner comes in to to check on things and just uh say thank you to me for coming in last right. minute to cover for my boss and everything. And um and he's talking he was talking a little bit, we were talking a little bit about what's coming up, and then he said it's like that Madam Webb movie. And then he said, and I, I forgive me, mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Johnson, if you're listening, he said that Dakota Johnson, she's just talentless, man. She's talentless. <laughs> and I went, oh, Harmon. But um, 
uh i'm like i don't know about that but uh it's um it's uh he's he's not uh he's not thrilled we're picking up madam web but we are ah, right but um because sometimes we have to pick up movies simply to keep our relationship with studios yeah, yeah um yeah and so sony's kind of a big sony's one, a, is a ma- is one of the major ones so um they kind of uh they didn't necessarily force us but they kind of said like hey pick this up um you know and uh, we haven't had a sony uh, film for a while so it was like well i guess we'll do this um but yeah i uh, i'm i'm excited to watch it because i know it's going to be a train wreck and i'm 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 all for it i'd rather yeah yeah. i'd rather do that i'd rather um i'd rather go in and watch something i know is a train wreck right and watch something i actually want to see and find out it's a train wreck um but i mean you are as i mentioned to a co-worker just the other day i mean I, I happen to also be the guy that in the same night watched morbius uh moonfall and right. thor love oh. and thunder in one night and and um, none of those none of those and i've only seen thor love of thunder like so maybe i was speaking you know out of out of turn like none of those are the good kind of bad they're just kind of the, like the it drains you of your life force kind of bad I, I don't know. There were moments where it with um, Moonfall in particular that I was kind of uh, like, yeah. I was kind of like, okay, like, right. um, and then moments where it's just the bad kind of bad. Right. But um, there were moments in Moonfall where I was like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. Like, yeah. um, and I um, that made me very happy. But uh, right. uh, out of the three of those, was probably the one I did wa- enjoy watching the most was probably Moonfall. Well, that, um, that would but, that would make sense. You know, yeah. I, I think. Um, as far as people who make the stupidest movies you could possibly imagine, uh, that guy is probably the best at it. You know, Emmerich. Yeah. Yeah. Roland Emmerich. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, like I said, I think I, uh, it was Ryan when we had him on and I said, I asked mm-hmm. him if he thought, um, uh, if uh, Independence Day was to Roland Emmerich as the rock was to Michael Bay. Right. Um, and I think he said, yes, I think he agreed that, uh, you know, even a broken clock is once right once a day right uh that uh, he made one film that really did work and then um the rest of it not so much although i guess bay to his credit supposed to have a couple other good ones that are supposed to be okay pain and gain i think was supposed to be, that was pretty good was um, it i haven't seen yeah. it but and then people do like bad boys too um i fucking hated that movie yeah i i don't remember it well enough i remember we were, not yeah. i watched it with my brother rented it with my brother um and uh watched it with with him and Jen and uh like the disc we got was like scratched so like halfway through it just started skipping okay well that's not the movie right well we'll we'll hear me out um, okay uh so we took it back to the store to get her to get our money back and they're like oh do you want to write another copy of that like can we not can we just run something else instead and we wanted something else and I remember what it was but uh okay well, fair enough. I I don't remember Bad Boys Two versus Bad Boys One. Um, right. I remember Bad not Boys. hating Bad Boys, but yeah, Bad Boys mm. was okay. It was just okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah, speaking I mean, of Michael Bay speaking of style over substance, you know. Yeah, yeah, so to speak, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anything else on the hunger? We we've devolved devolved um, into. Uh... No. Um. I think uh, it's as far as like a mainstream, you know, vampire movie. Um, 
1983, I think it set a lot of precedents. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of later films took things from, from this. Um, like we, like we said, you know, it, we're not sure where the, uh, the goth vampire thing started, but like, this is a, a good place to say it started as, a, as any. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's a very um, groundbreaking film in that in that regards, um, as far as you know, groundbreaking for a very specific subgenre of horror movies, you know. Yeah, or at least a, a specific uh, style that yeah uh, remained within the subgenre. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, Underworld, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or. Um, you know, multiple other films uh, would have existed probably without The Hunger. Right. Um, and then, you know, and Goth Clubs would have never been the same without The Hunger. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, like you said, I mean, I, 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 it goes both ways. And I wonder how much um, the vampire picture, uh, you know, how much they influence each other throughout right. history, you know. But, um, but I feel like, you know, if you are uh, of that persuasion, um I've been thinking about going to the, there's a local goth night here in St. Louis. Right. I've been thinking about going the last couple of times I've talked to anybody about dating. Mm-hmm. They've suggested, you know, uh, they're like, well, you're looking for a, a woman who likes horror films and, mm-hmm. and like classic lit and maybe is a little bit more dominant, right. uh, goth club. I'm like, yeah, right, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you're, you're cha- not necessarily, it's not a, you know, fish in the barrel scenario where it's guaranteed, right. but it's, uh, your chances of success. Is it a place finding, to start as any? Yeah. yeah, of finding somebody with those traits might right. be there. You know, so I was like, well, I could go throw on my black on black and a red tie and go to a goth night. But right. I've never been I've never been the guy who fits that aesthetic. And you know, I used to hang out at a goth club and they used to get they used to be driven nuts when I would say this. Because I would say, like, well, I'm not really that goth. And they're like, well, you go to a goth night, you are Gotham. Like, and they're like, Goth's just this wide umbrella. I'm like, yeah. yeah, but I feel like if you're, you know, the actual aesthetic, I think for, I, I, and this is going to sound like a sexist statement, and maybe it is that I'm just a dick, but I, I feel like the goth aesthetic fits a lot of different types of women. Right. But I feel like for guys, it's like, you got to look like David Bowie or this shit looks weird. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've never been right. the goth aesthetic guy. I could put on a suit. You know, right. with a that looks a little quote gothy, but I'm not the, you know, eyeliner, you know, Robert right. Smith. Uh, you know, I do a little spiky thing with my hair, what's left of it, but mm-hmm. it's not. But I feel like you got to look, you know, like be a certain body type. I think to be a guy who pulls off goth that well. Yeah, yeah. And little, um, little yeah. wafy, little bit of you know, yeah, bay, you know, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, there's a reason like a fairy, not. Uh, right not a you know phase and feminine uh, yeah right but i mean like you know i uh there's a reason why vampire dudes aren't played by guys like me right you know um you know they're not uh paul giamatti isn't playing <laughs> yeah. a vampire right sexy vampire i um, would watch the hell out of that movie. i would watch that movie yeah um but um uh by the way i recommend the holdovers like you should check ah. that out it's a really good movie um but um yeah i mean you don't uh they don't cast uh you know us the weird little trolls and vampire movies and there's a reason right. for that um although that's another thing i did i do appreciate about the hunger is that it kind of proves the point 
that um I, I had mentioned a couple of times over the years, which is that the vampire fiction um one thing that always makes sense about vampire fiction is vampires are hot because right. if you were to make a vampire you're a vampire and you're gonna make a vampire you're not picking the weird looking dude you're picking the hot one right who are you gonna want to look at for eternity right. you know, david bowie david bowie obviously. Catherine deneuve right. yeah um you know it's not uh you know cliff t young right. or dan adaya um mm-hmm. but um but yeah it's but yeah, I mean, my, uh, I forget where I was going with this, but, um, why did I bring up golf clubs again? Oh, it was, uh, yeah. Out of the idea of like where that, where this type of film influenced that right club culture genre. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but I mean, in my experience with golf clubs, it's essentially seems like it imitates or, or borrows from basically the opening of this film right you know uh yeah. the style the the room the way everything is set up is clearly aware of nightclub culture and right. about how those those spaces operate but i also wonder how much of those spaces operate that way because, because everybody yeah. kind of wants to be Catherine Deneuve and david bowie right in that scene um but um uh I don't think I can get away with uh, hanging around at a goth club, you know, looking menacingly at people and they're going to want to go home with me. I don't think right. that's going to happen, but uh, you never know. Well, I do know, and I'm not going to try it. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, David Bowie gets to take the, take the girl home and right. have like, you know, a uh, pretty explicit uh, heavy petting. Right. I get maced and the cops called. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's not, uh, that's not how it works, you know, but, right. um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, um, is this mainstream? I guess this is mainstream. This was you would a, say it was mainstream. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a fairly big release at the time. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I, I mean, mean, nowadays it's more of a cult. Movie. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah. You I mean, it is David Bowie in 83. Yeah, Obviously this right. would have been a thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he doesn't get attention yeah but um but yeah i mean i guess in that sense i I understand why it's a cult film and i understand Mm -hmm. why it doesn't have the commercial appeal um right that maybe uh you would think it would uh but it's it's too esoteric i think it's too um i think it's also a little bit too sexually explicit for its time Um, it might be you know, it's it's even pretty... though it's suggestive, yeah. It's a very impressionistic film. It's way yeah. more about what's insinuated than actually happening. Right. But, but you know, just I don't know, the way the way they shoot the love scenes is very suggestive and very, you know, erotic. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, mm. I I think it might have been a little bit much for, for the people at the time. Um maybe. Not to say that they would clutch their pearls and, you know, faint on their fainting couches. Well, they're more likely to do that now. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you're one of those people out there that are like, I hate sex scenes, then right, you know, but I, I would say, watch The Hunger, it's a good one. But uh, you know, they never drive the plot, um, right? And I'm like, I don't know, the blood exchange in this movie is pretty significant, and that happens yeah. in the sex scene. So, um, I mean, a lot of times they, they are bad and they don't drive the plot, and uh, this is not one of those times. No, uh, this is no. 
you take this, you take the sexy scenes out of this and you've, uh, you don't have much left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie about abuse and sort of a, a, a allegorical of something of a sexual predator. Right. Um, you know, to, to take out sexuality would be to the debt film's detriment. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, I think vampires, they don't necessarily have to be sexy, but I think your mm-hmm. best allegorical usage is to keep them sexy. Yeah. They are something of a cautionary tale of the wrong lover. Right. Um, you know, the the wrong person to take home or be taken home by. Um, I think that it, you know, vampire fiction always has a little bit of that um of that sexual predator allegory. Right. Um, but also, you know, again, it's, we've talked about this before and it's been talked about to death and by people far bigger than us mm-hmm. about, you know, vampires and AIDS right. and, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about next week. Um, which, uh, you know, because interview with the vampire, right. uh, is pretty specific in that as well, I think, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, like vampires, when they represent weird sexuality and disease, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in 83, Right. You know, what do you think we're getting at? But um, but yeah, I think that if you remove sexuality, you lose something. I mean, every once in a while you can do something like 30 days a night right. and that'll work. But, um, yeah. you know, from dusk till dawn, even that had sexuality in it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that I, I'm one of my main arguments, I think, towards the anti sex scene discourse would be i don't know vampire pictures right where are they without them um but i think you're right i mean and i think that's the case but the same thing with the jump scare argument is it's it's a time and place for everything and there's bad ones and there's good ones right there are no blanket rules in terms of what makes compelling cinema so Mm. i think it's um, just a lot of people who are just you know either too prudish or, or or too period you know just to to yeah. know what to do with a, a good erotic scene um yeah. you know you're you're not supposed to like you know be disgusted by it and you're not also not supposed to just start immediately masturbating there's a middle ground here you know right. there's yeah yeah um no it's uh yeah it's it's i don't know like i i the, when i think of sex scenes in general i think of mm-hmm. like you know, good ones. I think of like Mulholland Drive. Right. Like that's a sex scene that drives the plot. Yeah. You know, one of the, the most significant moment in the film happens when the two main characters make love. Mm-hmm. You know, when Naomi Watts says, I'm in love with you and Laura Allen Harding says nothing. Right. Um, you know, it's the most significant moment in the entire picture. Uh it's the reason we're there. Um, but you know, it's um, you know it it's but i'm like yeah or eyes wide shut for that mm-hmm. for that matter where uh the anti-sex scene right you know, like it's you know there's so much sex that it has no purpose anymore uh and that is the point right that you know our main character is so desperate for this sexual encounter that uh he's lost any idea of what that encounter means mm-hmm. uh you know these things are important narratively um they have metaphorical content they have um they have purpose they may not drive the plot but guess what the plot doesn't always need to be driven yeah you know the hunger is not a plot movie Mm -hmm. there's no that's not really a plot in the hunger 
it's a character right. study more than anything else. It's yeah, just very yeah. impressionistic. It's it's mm-hmm. very quiet, not a lot of talking. You know, they're not really mm-hmm. pontificating about eternity. They're all acting, um, you know, and acting very well um, and showing very complicated characters with very little dialogue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an impressionistic film. It's all about meaning, inferred meaning. Um, mm-hmm. No one ever stops to tell you what's what they're thinking in the hunter. right. And what would be the fun of that? You know, <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you know the even the sexual overtures between Miriam and Sarah are literally just the closest we get to to Anvil in this movie is Sarah saying, "Are you making a pass at me?" Right. And uh, and then we kind of cut to, uh, you know, the like the honestly, I still believe. Most erotic moment in this film is Miriam sitting in the chair with her feet up watching her undress. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I'm like, that's that was sexier to me than even the uh, you know, flowing curtains and blood exchanges right. and and rolling around on the bed. I'm like the the dominance of of her in that scene is that I'm like, that's eroticism, but right. Um, but yeah, it's um yeah, it's I don't know. It's good. I think it's a good film. You you see yeah. overall, you like the film. You think? It's, yeah, I think uh, it was a good film. I think it was worth the watch. Um, yeah, it's not something that would you know, I would watch you know all the time or you know would make a top ten list of mine. But uh, it's still got you know a lot of merit, and it's uh, it's worth like I said, it's worth the watch. It's yeah, it's a good film that uh, I think is kind of underseen these days. And it's a it's a film of a type that they don't really make anymore. If they ever did. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very dreamy. It's very, right. uh, you know, and it's very, um, like I said, it's it's very esoteric. It's very right. impressionistic. Um, yeah. You know, it's very unusual in many right. ways. And it's, you know, the only the only negative thing I have to say about it is, like, like I said, it, it comes so close to being being great, and uh, you just just mm-hmm. can't just can't get there. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, it, there's there's an itch that it just couldn't scratch and uh yeah but that's okay you know it's not every film has to be the best film i've ever seen you know no in fact i think i think all my favorites usually are far from are far from perfect right so i've always said our best conversations come from the three-star movie right you know this is definitely this is a three-star movie good three-star movie yeah yeah maybe three and a half but right yeah it's um you know there's a lot that works and there's some that doesn't but you know, mm-hmm. I think what uh, overall what works and even the attempt in and of itself is right. quite lovely. So you did the intro, yep. didn't you? Yeah. You got to yeah. take us out. I got to take us out. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Do you have anything to add on the hunger? Uh, no, we covered everything I, I really had. Um, you know, okay. check it out. It's, uh, it's a good representation of, of a vampire film, a modern kind of vampire film. A modern queer uh, yeah. pseudo sexual vampire film, which right? Is sort of our uh, our secondary yeah. secondary theme this right. month. Um, and um, so yeah, with that, I will take us out and I will say, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we remind you to keep it positive, keep it constructive, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans, uh, and be nice to each other. And um, thank you very much. Good night and namaste. Oh. 
Thank you.